to you from John chapter 15. And I'm gonna read a lot of verses here. I'm gonna read all the way to verse 17. And uh, I think you'll catch that word here in just a second. Jesus says this. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So I wanna challenge you in this. I want you to, I want you to approach this, this chapter and these verses from this perspective. I'm already clean, so this, this chapter, these verses are not talking about my salvation. This chapter and these verses are talking about me as a disciple, as a full-fledged follower of Jesus Christ. I didn't just confess him and make him Lord of my life, but I'm actually following him in his commandments. I'm already clean because of the word he spoke to me. Come on, somebody. I'm not clean because of the things I do. I'm clean because of the confession that I made that Jesus Christ is Lord and he is Lord of my life. So this is really a good picture of new covenant versus old covenant. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, he's actually referring to Adam. Adam was, was, was a false vine. Adam was in the, in the, in the line and, and the lineage of of the old covenant, and Jesus is the new. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So, so all of that aside, here, here it is, here it is. Abide in me, and I in you, and the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends." You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask in the name of my Father, whatever you ask in the, of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. How many of you are thankful for the word of God? How many of you desire to have more of the word of God on the inside of you in 2021? So I wanna take this word, this word that appears over and over in John chapter 15, this word abide, and I want to talk to you this, this morning about how to abide. And I'm gonna use this word. I'm gonna use, I'm gonna do something old school. I'm gonna do something like my dad would always do. When, when my dad was the pastor, he would, he, every Sunday, every Sunday, I don't know if y'all remember this, but he would, you would get notes of his sermon. 
as you walked in the door. And it always had like a one, a two, and a three, and a part A, and a part B. And then he would take words, and, and he would give you like, he would, take, he would take a word, and then he would give you like an acronym. I'm going to try my best. You didn't get notes as you walked in, but I'm going to try my best. To, to take this word abide, and I want to give you five ways to abide. Because it's one thing to say abide. It's another thing to know how, how do I abide? How do I abide? First, first thought is this, with the A. Look at this. Look at God. Look how he works. New, I'm a new man already in 2021. <laughs> old has passed away. The new has come. A, align. Align. John 15 and 7 says, but if you make yourselves at home with me, this is the message translation, if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. In other words, Jesus is trying to tell us when you obey my word, I will act on your words. When you obey my word, I will act on your words. James 1, 21 through 22 says this. It says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Come on, somebody. I, I've got to make a decision from the first week here in 2021, that God, I am going to align myself with your word. In 2020, we aligned ourselves with a lot of crazy stuff. We aligned ourselves with some political parties. We aligned ourselves based on racial uh, identity. We aligned ourselves based on our income. We have aligned ourselves based on our background. We have aligned ourselves based on people. You know, have you had it? Did you get it? Can you give it? Do you have you? We aligned ourselves. I'm a mask wearer. I'm not a mask wearer. I'm sick of all of the false alignments. In 2021, I'm going to align myself. I'm, I'm refusing all alignments and I'm aligning myself with God's word. If it's God's word, I'll do it. If it's not God's word, I ain't got time for it. And I don't have time to waste in arguments about, about things and arguments about people and discussions about others. I'm aligning myself with the word of God. So that means that anything that's in me that's not like him, it's got to go. It's got to go. Before you make a decision, listen, before you make a decision to, to, to join the gym and waste that $40 a month, because you know you will, before you make that decision, before you, before you, have, before you set any new goals, before you, before you set any new plans, Make sure that something changes on the inside of you. Because if something doesn't change on the inside of you, then nothing is going to change on the outside of you. And you will make a lot of re resolutions and you will think you are resolved to do it. But if something isn't changed on the inside, nothing at all is going to change on the outside. All you did was bring the same you into a new year. And God, I want a new me in a new year. I don't want the same me. I want a new me. I want a me that is totally and fully focused on being aligned with your word. Maybe this is the year where you align your finances with the word of God. Maybe this is the year you stop robbing God and you start giving to God. 
Maybe, th- maybe this is the year where, where you, 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 you make a distinction between what, what is acceptable and, and what is unacceptable. Maybe this is the year where you draw some lines in the sand and you say, I'm not going back to that. I'm not talking to them anymore. I'm not going back into that place anymore. I'm not going back into that relationship again. I'm not going back. I've I've made a decision. I'm aligning with the word of God. And what's so powerful about it is God says, when you align with my word, I align with your words. When you do what I say, I'll do what you say. That's powerful. Maybe one of the reasons many of our prayers go unanswered is because of a lack of obedience. There's no demand on God to perform for disobedient people. But the word puts a demand on God. When you are obedient to his word, it puts a demand on God to do what his word says he will do. So when you obey me, I'll listen to you. And when you, when you ask me, I'll do what you ask. That's powerful. So 2021, I'm gonna align. I'm gonna get in alignment. Everything in the kingdom is about alignment anyway. Even even lineage is about alignment in the kingdom. You you go through scripture and you you read all of this, so-and-so begot so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and and this one begot this one, and this one begot this one. And like, what's the point? It's about alignment. It's about alignment. That's why Caleb knew, even though he was old in age, that, that he, he told the people of God when, when, when they were freaking out because they didn't think that they could inherit or, 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 or live in the promises of God. Caleb said to them, he said, listen, if God is on our side, no one can withstand us. The power of alignment. If, if God is with me, who can be against me? The power of alignment. I get myself into agreement with God. If I've got a lifestyle that disagrees with God, I change the lifestyle because I want to be in alignment with what God says and not my feelings. Ooh, man. Oh, man. So it's going to require some change in me. Second thought. B. I mean, I'm, this is revolutionary. <laughs> And I hope I spell abide right. Like, it just. <laughs> it's A B I D E, right? Okay, okay. B. The, there's this, there's another word that's very common through John 15. It's the word bear. Bear. Not, not like, oh, I saw a bear. No, like, like bear. And one of the thoughts that's associated with bear is, is to produce, or it's like bear a child. And, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how God is doing something in us, right, to, to get something out of us for him. But, but there are a couple other ideas associated with bear that we need to recognize, because he's talking about bearing fruit. And I think so often we focus on the fruit and we miss this word bear, because this word bear is, is much more than just to produce something. The word bear has a couple of other definitions. It means to carry. The Bible talks about bearing one another's burdens, right? Carry other people's burdens. And th- this other thought, to, to endure. 
So if I'm really going to abide in Christ, I'm gonna have to align with him. I'm not just gonna be a, a, a branch out here doing my own thing. I'm in the vine. I'm aligned with the vine. My source of life is the vine. My, my source of strength is the vine. My source is the vine. And I'm going to, I'm gonna have to bear. I'm gonna have to carry some things. Here's the thing about fruit. Fruit is heavy. Fruit can actually break limbs. So watch this. We don't want to produce something we're unable to carry. Think about that. This is why, specifically this chapter and verse, Jesus isn't talking about trees, talking about a vine, grapevine in particular. The, the vine is unusual in the way it's, it's pruned. The way you, you prune a vine, there's three different ways people prune vines. The first one is younger branches. As a matter of fact, when, when a branch is in its first year, the vine dresser actually does not allow that branch to produce fruit because it's not able to hold it to carry it. It's got fruit in its DNA, but he prunes it in such a way that it cannot bear fruit because the fruit would destroy the branch. This is what I need us to understand this morning about pruning. Sometimes pruning obviously is painful, but pruning is protection. Pruning is protection. The Bible says about the people of God that when they left Egypt, it says they came out of Egypt and they were dressed for battle. But the Bible says that God took them away from the battle because he knew that the battle would make them run back to Egypt. Here's the thing about pruning. God knows exactly what you're capable of carrying. And so he is faithful to take you to places they seem, they seem like the long way. And yes, they are. But they're actually the safest way for you and me. Is there anybody in the room who God has taken the long way? I don't know anybody in the room who feels like God has taken them the shortcut. If God has taken you the shortcut, then God bless you. You're ready. You're prepared. You are fully ready for battle. All the stuff that's in front of you, you're ready for the next 10 years. But I thank God that he takes me the long way because he knows what I'm able to withstand, what I'm able to carry, and what I can, I, can withstand, I, I, can withstand, I can deal with. So the younger branches, the first year, he prunes them back so they can't, they can't produce because the weight would destroy then what and what else happens? It so you not only lose the branch, but the fruit falls to the ground. You you can lose fruit. And the older branches. Can I talk to some older branches in here for a second? The older branches. The older branches are pruned because listen, sometimes, sometimes the problem with older branches is they've been around so long. They don't think they need the vine anymore. They've grown so far out here. They're like, look at me. I got my own wings. I don't need the vine anymore. 
I'm so far away from the vine, I forgot how desperate for the vine I was. I started to actually think I was the vine. I started to actually think I was my provider. I started to think I was my protector. I started to think I was my deliverer. I started to think I was my restorer. And so what God does to remind us who the vine is, is sometimes he'll take an older branch and he'll cut it back all the way back with the younger branches just to remind them how bad they need the vine. And you cut them back so they don't grow too far away. And, and, and listen, when you grow too far away from the vine, you actually produce an inferior crop. You actually produce inferior fruit. You produce fruit, but it's inferior to the fruit that's closest to the vine. And then, and then pruning is seasonal. It's seasonal. Because sometimes you prune while the vine is dormant. Because if you don't, it will bleed sap and it will lose strength. So watch this. Sometimes what seems like everybody else is getting ahead, it's not really that. It's just not your season. And if you're not careful, you'll envy somebody else's season, not realizing that God has pruned you back so that you don't lose strength for your season. So, so right now, if you feel like you're being held back by God and you're like, loose me, let me go, let me, I'm ready. But God still seems to be holding you back and people your age and people with your education and people with all of the same kind of stuff as you. It seems like they're all moving ahead of you. Don't get frustrated in that season. Don't become envious of other people's season. Don't think that just because your friend bought a house, you need to buy a house. Don't think just because somebody started a business, you need to start a business. You need to wait until God opens you up and releases you to do what he has called you to do, because if not, you'll waste strength now that you need for tomorrow. So don't waste your strength in January that you're gonna need for November. You're gonna need that, and so let him prune you. Let him, let, him, let him deal with you while you're dormant, while it seems like nothing is happening, nothing is working, everything I'm trying, I keep going, and it's not. Let, let him build in you the strength necessary to endure when it's your season. Third thought. Imagine. Imagine. A, B, I. Imagine. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. For, for, for some people this year... This past year has been uh, so painful because I don't think many of us thought at this point in our lives we would have to start over in so many ways. For some of you, you didn't realize that you were going to have to start over. You, you didn't realize, oh my gosh, my kids are coming home and uh, I'm going to be a stay-at-home parent again. I didn't realize that I was gonna, I was gonna have three-year-olds again. Because that's what teenagers, when they come home from school and they stay with you, you start acting like after a while. Three-year-olds. 
I didn't realize I was going, I didn't realize at this point in my life I was going to have to start a new career. I didn't realize at this point in my life that I was going to have to start, I was talking to a guy and just a couple months ago and he told me, he said, man, he's like, I had to, I had to give, I had to stop my business. I couldn't keep paying for everything. I couldn't pay my employees. I couldn't pay myself. So he says, I took a job. I'm stocking shelves at a grocery store. He said, man, I feel like such a failure. I feel like I've failed. And in a, in a time and in a season where there seems to be so much failure and disappointment and starting over, if we're not careful, we'll stop imagining. We'll stop dreaming. And we'll give up on dreams. We'll give up on those things that we were imagining. We'll walk away from them because, well, plan fail. But never misinterpret a failed plan for a failed dream or failed imagination. Just because the plan failed doesn't mean the dream has failed. Doesn't, doesn't mean what you imagine God would do in your life has failed. Hold on to your imagination because what God does for you over the next five years of your life is completely and totally connected to your ability to ask and imagine. And if I stop imagining for better days and if I stop imagining that the future can be better, if I stop dreaming about what God has planned for my life and my wife and my kids and then I just stop living. I gotta keep imagining. I gotta keep believing that it's gonna get better. I'm gonna get through this. I'm gonna make it. And when I make it, it's gonna be better. And when I get through it, I'm gonna be stronger. And when one door closes, it just means God has another one open for me. So I start imagining. I start imagining positive outcomes. I start imagining outcomes of my faith. I, I, I stop imagining pessimistic outcomes and I stop thinking of the worst possible outcome and I start believing that, yeah, God, you are God. And all it takes to turn this whole situation around is one word from God. One encounter with God, one dream, from, one vision from God, one idea from God. So I keep dreaming. D, I develop. I develop. First Corinthians 13, 11 says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And in 2020, I never saw more adults act like children than in any other year in my entire life. Couldn't control their tongues, couldn't control the attitudes, couldn't control what they said, couldn't control their feelings. Out of control. But if I'm going to abide, then I've got to develop I've got to become mature. And here's the thing about development. 
I will never see the fruit of a word I hear, but refuse to practice. Did you catch that? I will never see the fruit of a word I hear, but refuse to practice. Development is, is a lot about practice. We did a whole series on practice. Development is a lot about practice involves repetition, doing the same things over and over again because repetition takes what is intellectual and it makes it an, an action and it creates instincts. So, so I catch the ball and have you ever watched baseball and, and you see a, a pitcher throw a ball and the, the batter hits it right back at the pitcher and he's just like, Psh. that's instinct. People who have never practiced baseball don't do that. They get hit in the face by that ball. But the repetition saved their face. The repetition saved their life. They had developed instinctual responses to the difficulties of life. And what happened in 2020 was, was people talked a good game, but 2020 happened, and we realized how much game you actually had. You talk like you were kind, but we realized you're unkind. You talk like you were faithful, but we realized you weren't faithful. You talk like you were courageous, but 2020 happened, you realized you were scared. So, so when, it, when it isn't crazy, we practice the right response so that when that fastball comes at us, the right response is our instinct. That's why you have to do the right thing until doing the right thing becomes your reward. Because, because people who only do the right thing when it's convenient rarely do the right thing. But if you do the right thing because the right thing is my reward, I'm not, I'm not doing it because of, of the outcome I'm looking for because sometimes doing the right thing results in a bad outcome for me. But I'm doing the right thing because the right thing is the reward. I repeat right until right is my instinct. I repeat reading until reading is my instinct. I repeat listening to God until listening is my instinct. I keep doing until doing is my instinct. I, if, so, so, a lot of people say, say uh, well, I can't help it. I was just born this way. Well, the good news is through the gospel, you get to be born again. But I have to practice the behaviors of the reborn so that I, 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 by instinct, I do not what my flesh wants me to do, but what my spirit tells me to do. Because I'm more than a flesh being, I'm a spiritual being. The real me, you can't even see right now. The part that lives forever, you're not even looking at. Thank God. I imagine the one that lives forever has got a six-pack. He doesn't even have to go to the gym for. <laughs> so so I, have to, I, have to, I have to develop. Hebrews 5 and 14 says, Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. <laughs> Develop. We gotta ask ourselves four questions when we're, when we're ready to develop our lives, when we're ready to mature. First of all, can I lead myself? 
First thing I have to learn how to lead is me. I can't lead others until I can lead me. James three and five, and the thing I have to learn how to lead when it comes to me, because it controls my entire life, is my tongue. James three and five says, look at the ships. They, they, they are so great and are driven by strong winds, but they're still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body. It boasts about great things, but it can set a forest on fire. Your tongue is controlling the direction of your life. Second, can I be faithful? Because you cannot separate faithfulness from fruitfulness. They work together. I love this because God is in this for the long haul with us. I love this because he's looking, for, he's looking for a lifetime of faithfulness. Faith is not just about trusting God for big things, it's about trusting God over a long period of time. For instance, the, the Israelites were crying out, give us a savior. God did, but he was a baby. Why do we ask for a savior, but God gives us a baby? <laughs> because sometimes God gives you a promise that you have to raise. Sometimes you have to develop your deliverer. Sometimes you have to parent your promise. So many promises that are connected to my life are connected to my kids and I'm out here parenting my promises <laughs> in the name of Jesus <laughs> think about it third thought can you take it James 1 2 and 3 says dear brothers and sisters when troubles of any kind come your way consider it an opportunity for great joy for you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has got a chance to grow joy listen what the Bible's saying here Plain and simple, joy does not always show, it, show up looking like joy. That's what he's saying. That's what James is saying. Hey, listen, consider it all joy when trials come. You need to understand this. Joy does not always show up looking like joy. Most of the time, joy shows up looking like a trial. And the value of your problems right now are the opportunities they create. So James is challenging me, embrace trouble because there's joy in it. I'll never forget this. I, I heard this story years ago and I've shared it before, but I wanna share it again. There's a story of a father and son and they were estranged. The dad was away from God and the son was away from God, but the father later on in his life, he gets, he gets saved, he gives his life to Jesus. And he's trying to, to talk to his son about the gospel. He's trying to convince his son that Jesus is the way and he didn't want anything to do with it. As a matter of fact, the son, for, for his birthday one year, he says, Dad, listen, I really don't want much to do with you, but I know you got the money to do this. Can you just get me a car and I won't bother you again? I'll leave you alone. Just buy me a car, I'll leave you alone. I won't bother you again. So on his birthday, he shows up to his dad's house. His dad has a gift for him and it's in a, it's in a box and he slides the box across the table. The son opens the box and in the box is a Bible. And he's frustrated. 
He's angry. He said, Dad, you've been a disappointment my whole life. Shoves the box back across the table. I've not asked you for a lot. I've not asked you for a real relationship. You weren't there when I was younger. All I asked you for, you got the money for this. Why won't you do this? I can't believe you wouldn't do this. And he slams the door and he walks out of the house and he doesn't talk to his father for years and years. Then he finds out he gets a call one day. Person on the other line says, hey, just wanted to let you know your father's passed away and he left everything to you. So the son goes back to the house and he goes up to his dad's office and he's looking around at all of the books and the, the pictures and he, he sees that box up on the shelf. He pulls that box off of the shelf and he's, at this point, he's broken, he's devastated. So he grabs the Bible out of that box finally. And he opens the Bible up, and when he opens the Bible up, a key falls out. A key. What's his key to? So he goes through everything, and he says, what's his, what's his key to? And he asks, he asks his father's lawyer, what's his key to? He says, oh, you should, go, you should go to the garage. Down in the garage, he goes down into the garage, and in the garage, there's, there's something in the corner with a cover over it. He goes over and he pulls the cover off of it in its car. He missed the key because he wouldn't embrace the gift. And if you're not careful, you'll miss what God wants to do in 2021 if you reject the gift. Can I tell you, 2021 is gonna be full of trouble itself. If you keep running from trouble, you'll never find the key. If you keep running from difficult things, you'll never find the key. So God help me to not run from a year like 2020, to not run from the trouble in 2021, but to embrace the gift so that I can discover the key. Wow. We stand on your feet, I need to close, I need to let you go so we can make room for the next service. But I'm gonna give you E. E, enjoy, enjoy. In John 15, 11, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. John 16 and 33, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. If we're not careful, the things that we've gone through will make us a skeptic or a cynic. And if we're not careful, we'll be the type of people who like, I won't believe it till I see it. I don't trust anybody. I don't believe nothing. And I want to encourage you to stop going down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories in 2021 and getting your mind all caught up in stuff that's just going to make you angry and just make you frustrated and make you doubt everybody and make you think everybody's against you and make you think everybody's the problem and make you think everybody's the enemy and make you think everybody's motives are bad. And Don't live like that. 
enjoy this life that God has given you. Live full of joy. And if you can't find joy in anything, find joy in your salvation. Return to me. This year, God, return to me the joy of my salvation where I just get a kick out of being saved. I'm just thankful that my sins are forgiven, that I've been washed and white as snow. I'm pure. I'm holy in the eyes of God. And get joy out of his creation. Man, we had to learn how to get joy out of walks in our neighborhood in 2020, didn't we? Get joy out of creation. Get joy out of relationships. Man, if you found out anything in 2020, it's that life is fragile. This disease is destructive. Whether it's people's health, it's destroyed the economy, it's destroyed lives, it's destroyed families. Life is fragile. Take advantage of every single moment. Joy will do this for you. Joy will make you like Zechariah 9 and 12 says. Joy will make you a prisoner of hope. Zechariah 9 and 12 says, come back to the place of safety. All you prisoners who still have hope, I promise this very day that I will repay two blessings for each of your troubles. I love God because he doesn't just restore what we lost. He gives us back double for our trouble. Job lost everything. He gave him back double. He's the God who doesn't just restore. He gives us back two blessings for every single trouble. Come on, throw your hands up in the air today if you can and say, God, this year I choose to abide. Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name for your word and we're asking that it would take root in our lives. The NIV says, remain. Remain in me and I in you. Remain in me. Stay with me. Don't give up yet. Stay connected. Don't disconnect. Listen, if you're watching online today, you're still part of us. Don't disconnect. Don't, don't get away. Keep waking up. Don't, don't always, don't be like, ah, I'll catch it on Wednesday. I'll watch the replay. No, get up, get dressed. Even if you can't come to the house of God, get out into your living room and sit down with your family. Stay connected. Stay connected. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word today. Let your word do what only it can do. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. I love you so much. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Happy New Year. And we'll see you very soon.